This is Warrior Podcast, changing the world by introducing warriors to the warrior god. I'm Elizabeth Andrade, here with Connor and Mario. This is it, the survival guide to evangelism. We're giving out some secrets today, folks. I hope you're ready for this. It's classified information. Classified info, but you, warrior, have been so authorized to receive this message in this briefing, and we're excited to share it with you. So let's first begin this by talking a little bit about the method of evangelism that uh, we prefer here. I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and stir the pot and say it's the best. <laughs> it's the best method, and that's why we're gonna talk about it. But first, I'd love to hear. Do you guys have any? We so we shared last week some some stories of not so ideal encounters with evangelism, right? Trying yeah. to just lighten the mood a little bit, trying to give confidence to the warrior that God is. What he asks of us here is effort. What he asks of us here is faithfulness to share the gospel message. And we aren't in control of how people respond to that or react to that. We simply share and be good stewards of the message that God has given us. Have you guys ever taken part in any sort of organized evangelism, whether through a church or have you ever gone on like a missions trip, an evangelism focused missions trip? If the church had organized some sort of event like this, I was definitely like two feet out the door already. Like, nope, not going to go do the door-to-door knocking. You were and, out sick that week. Yeah, and all the mission trips that I ever went on, um, they I didn't speak the language, so there were translators. So I felt like I could say whatever I wanted and Fair they enough. would make me sound better. So. <laughs> oh, so that's how you felt when you, you were in Brazil, huh? Well. <laughs> that's right. Come on. Good to know. If you don't know, listener, uh, Elizabeth met Mario on a mission trip to Brazil. That's true. And she just admitted that she was relying on the translator <laughs> to spark this relationship. So. Actually, we didn't really speak each other's language. So we did not. Yeah. We got to just share your story and just talk about love sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's true. But yeah, you, you probably have better examples of this. Mario. Well, I think I think Connor has something with me and he, he, he knows I have the funnest stories and he, he just wants me to share it. But. Well, I actually did something like that before. Brazil, I lived in uh, right on the coast. So we always went to the beach to practice evangelism. So it was like very, very awkward because they were either drinking or getting a tan. Yeah. So it was very awkward to get just like right next to them and ask, hey, um, have you heard about Jesus? Yeah. How did the tanners like respond to that? Get out of my way. You're blocking the sun. <laughs> you just got to go over and kick their foot. Hey, wake up. I got to share something with you real quick. Hey, bro, can you put that beer down real quick? I just got to ask you a couple questions. About Jesus. <laughs> about Jesus. Yeah, I'm not a police officer. I just want to ask you a few questions about the Lord. Yeah, but then after a few tries and we saw that that didn't work, we just brought a few members of the church and we just start singing and playing some worship songs by the beach and, and people would start gathering and other members who were there willing to serve the Lord and share the gospel, just start talking to them and, and sharing. So it was actually a great strategy afterwards. Yeah. I, I love that, man. I love the public worship strategy. Music is a great unifier. It seems to bring people together. It does. I mean, it, whether you're at a concert, whether you're at a sporting event, right? Like, like that taps into some natural desire that we have to participate in a like-minded community, right? I think all of us have that. I mean, you look at like these sporting events down here in Texas, college football is the big thing, right? Whether you're an Aggie, whether you're a uh, UT Longhorn, um, all of them have their weird little hand signals and dances and moves and stuff that they do at the games. They would never do that if they were just in the parking lot of Walmart by themselves. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <laughs> but, but they get caught up at, at that game in that environment because they're with a group of people. There's something about humanity, because I think God created us for this, that desires to 
worship, that desires to worship corporately. Because that's our future too. That's the picture of heaven that we see painted in Revelation is God's people gathered together from every tribe, nation, and tongue praising the Lord Jesus Christ. So that was a little rant there, but man, I love that worship strategy. Um, yeah. What about your experiences? Yeah. I've never gone door to door. I've never, I've never been a part of a church that, that placed a high value on that, I guess, but I came from a culture outside of Texas. So I know down here door to door is still something of a primary strategy for a lot of churches. One thing that I have done that, that I think is, is cool and that I've seen to be somewhat effective is in downtown type area where there's some foot traffic, something that we would do as a church is get some gift cards for some of the restaurants or coffee shops that were in that downtown area, maybe an ice cream store, get like a $5 gift card. And then we would go out in public and just offer some surveys. Say, Hey, if you would take this survey, then we got a gift card for you. That's a really nice strategy. That's a great idea. And so the the survey would be kind of general, just talking about things of of life and the problems in the world. But it would end, it would culminate. The crescendo, if you will, was a question that that would say, if Jesus Christ is real, would you want to know more about him? Or something along Mm. those lines. Just to try to foster that conversation and try to get people thinking. And uh, at the very least, man, they got a $5 gift card for some ice cream or coffee. And uh, maybe a seed was planted. So I would say sign me up. Like I would do it just for the gift. I'll take any survey. Yeah. Five questions. Too easy. I don't care what the gift card is either. I don't care if it's to Barnes and Noble. I'll still take that. But what was the response like to that? I'm curious to know to the to the question uh, about if Jesus was real, would you want to know more about him? Yeah. I mean, it depends. Right. Everyone's we definitely had our people that were like, no, I'm good. (laughs) Or like, you know, the people who were clearly not interested, but just wanted to make up a nice excuse like, oh, I'm so sorry, but I'm on my way to pick up my child. But, Mm -hmm. But you just took the time to take a five question survey because you want to say, all right, I hear you. Yeah, go pick them up. Bye bye. And then we saw some fruit. We saw some people that were interested and that were at least open to the idea of hearing about this Jesus who loves them and who came to earth, died on a cross so that he could have a relationship with them, rose from the grave and promises one day to return and make all things right. I think that there are, there's a lot we could say about different approaches to evangelism. And before we give our secret sauce, before we give our, our best practice, whatever strategy you're doing is better than not doing it. You know, I I think again, what God would require of us, what he would invite us to do in this area is to participate, is to be faithful, to be faithful, to share the gospel message and to be a faithful steward of the good news that God has given us. So yeah, I just, I think that that's most important that we are active in this area in some sense. And, uh, and then we can, we can talk about what we think this ought to look like. That's right. And you know what? I think often we worry about Oh, what if somebody say no? We just need to understand that we don't need to worry about that. The Lord will do the work. And even if some people say no at that moment, you did share the gospel and it's the seed is planted. Yeah. So, I mean, it's even more comforting to know that each life matters to the Lord. So I know sometimes there are a lot of no's and only one yes, but that yes, that makes a lot of difference for the Lord. So. Yeah. That's huge, man. We I want to stick on that for a second because that's so big. So many of us fear rejection in, in many aspects of our lives, but especially in, in this arena and sharing our faith. And man, all of us in this room, us three here on Warrior Podcast, we know what it's like to be rejected, right? Like all of us, we actually just walk through kind of a difficult counseling type situation at, at the ministry that mm-hmm. we are, are using. And, you know, it didn't go the way that, that we wanted it to at all in this situation. We basically received a no, right? We were, in some sense, we received a massive right. no. Mm-hmm. And yet I am so comforted by the fact that we were able to continually share the gospel 
that if through every stage of this incident as it happened, like we were able to clearly communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're called to do. And so in some sense, we have to be able to live with that, knowing that, man, I gave it my all. I shared the gospel of Jesus Christ, and God is the one who is in charge of that growth. And, and we will pray that one day, man, that seed that we planted will grow up into a beautiful sunflower. A beautiful, oh, Well, yeah. not a sunflower, Mario. <laughs> we have a lot of, uh, Mario's looking I don't know, at I me. just have He's some glaring at me. Sunflowers. <laughs> it's not against all sunflowers, it's just... Just the ones in the neighbor's backyard that are growing out of control. <laughs> if, if you're a neighbor listening to us, um, we, we forgive you. you. Jesus <laughs> loves you. Yeah, we already forgive we you. We can work through <laughs> But please don't plant it again. <laughs> oh, no, but, but to your point, Connor, I think, you know, even receiving a no, just, just sharing the gospel, I think some encouragement that I try to console myself with is just knowing that sometimes people really have to come to the end of themselves before mm. they're ready to turn to Jesus. And maybe, you know, those people who say no at the moment just are going through that process and they just need to hit the end of themselves before they're ready to turn to Jesus. I admit that is a great point. One last thing, we got to move on and give our secret <laughs> sauce. Know, I know. <laughs> that, but that's so good. And I think, I think that this kind of response that I'm about to say is, is such a great evangelistic response. Come and see. So if someone says no, or if someone's hesitant, hey, would you just give Jesus a shot? Why don't you come with me to church this Sunday? Just give him a shot. If you don't want anything to do with it after the Sunday, then I'll leave you alone, right? Or would you just come to this small group? Or would you come over for dinner and, and I'll invite some of my Christian friends over? I understand if, if that's uncomfortable for you, but we'll, we'll make it comfortable. We're not going to attack you. We just want to show you the beauty of Jesus Christ. We want to show you how Christ has transformed our lives. Just that point of come and see, because again, God wants this to happen. So God's going to help us. He's going to show up and he wants to reveal himself to his people. So Connor, what, what you just described is a type of evangelism, isn't it? I did just put my cards on the table a little bit. And so let's give it the secret sauce, how you should do evangelism. Let me give a clickbait headline first. Okay. He, Connor's the best at doing these. The yeah. best and the worst because I get in trouble, right? I love to think of clickbait headlines and people only read the head. This is, I mean, it's just fun to do and it's fun to see people get a little worked up about it, especially when you know they didn't read your article or they didn't watch your video, you know, Oh boy. but, uh, but yeah, I get in trouble too much. But anyway, here's my clickbait headline. That's going to get me in trouble for evangelism but listen to the end okay but yeah like stick warrior. with me warrior all right come on stick with me here trust me believe door-to-door evangelism is lazy what but we put so much effort into knocking on the doors and all the nervousness that, no no but I, i'm just kidding i'm ready to hear you out door-to-door evangelism neglects the more difficult and important work of fostering and facilitating a relationship with a messy human being and helping them be formed into a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now, if you hate me for that, go read this book called The Sovereignty of God in Evangelism by J.I. Packer. It's a short read, like 100 pages, and uh, J.I. Packer, who's a brilliant theologian, basically laid out that argument that that human beings that like building relationships with messy human beings is so difficult that is the that is the crux of what our evangelistic efforts should look like i mean what you just described to me sounds more like the great commission which is uh i'm gonna go ahead and read that yeah go ahead uh then the so this is matthew 28 18 through 20 then jesus came to them and them is the disciples and said 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Yeah, so the, so the call there, the command from the Lord Jesus Christ is to go and make disciples and to baptize them in the name of our triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so the call then is to go, certainly to go. And I think that's what evangelism is. Evangelism is the go piece, to go mm-hmm. and share, go and tell. But you're not just going and telling and then hoping for the best, right? We should be going and telling and making a disciple of that person, helping that person be formed into the image of Jesus Christ, helping that person, I think, understand the Trinity, mm-hmm. understand the Trinity so that they can be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Who's going to be baptized without understanding what baptism is and the importance of it? I think that also speaks to the discipleship piece here. So that's what I would argue is that cards on the table, our secret sauce, our best practice approach to evangelism should be a relational approach that we should be in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, building relationships, genuine relationships with people and eagerly seeking opportunities to testify of how Christ has transformed my life continually praying that God would save this person and continually praying that God would open opportunities to share the gospel and continually praying for boldness to step into that space and to share the gospel with them. You heard it here first, warrior, relational evangelism. That's where it's at. And, and listen, because war, warrior, man, you do not work in an easy environment, whether you are in the military, whether you are a police officer, a firefighter or a paramedic. You do not work in an easy environment. And so I know that you're just not going to knock on your, you know, your, your coworker's locker or, <laughs> you know, you're not just going to elbow your buddy when you're on the shooting range be like, Hey man, let's talk about Jesus. <laughs> where are you going when you die? <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I think, I think that we need something more substantive, especially as the West, the United States continually becomes more of a post-Christian nation. Like that's happening. It's already happened. And, and that's really only going to continue to happen where people continually presume that Christianity and faith and this Jesus stuff is just a myth that old people used to cling to, mm. right? So we are, we're going to need a much more holistic, a much more robust discipleship focused approach. And I think that that is best expressed through relationship. And now we have six practical tips to guide you into relational evangelism. So starting with number one, Yes. So number one, so now like real practical, what does this look like? Okay. If you believe us now that relational evangelism is the move, if that's the best approach, what does that look like? And how do you do that? So we're going to give you six easy steps so that by the end of this checklist here, you're going to be ready to get after it as the Lord's warrior. Do some evangelism. Do some work. All right. So number one, work hard. Number one, field manual survival guide, how to do relational evangelism. Work hard and be good at your job. We started the hardest one first, huh? <laughs> hey, we're, we're shooting for the stars, <laughs> man. It only yeah. gets easier from here. No, <laughs> yeah, we got the hard one first. Okay, so, well, basically, I can personally say that by working hard, it simply means, like, be a good employee and get your work on time. That's tough for me. Do your job well. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> uh, we're, we're practicing, right? We're practicing, yeah. We're working on that. But I, I know, I know. Yeah, but I think most of all, let your actions reflect Jesus Christ. When you do that, everything comes in place. You you have an example of in your life of when you were in the military, in the, in the army in Brazil, of how you were working hard and people noticed. That's right. Um, 
when I was in the army, uh, I served in the Brazilian army for seven years. And throughout the seven years, I tried to give my best, right? Um, very proud of serving the country. I think just being a disciple and being a Christian, serving the Lord in whatever task we're commanded to do, it makes a difference. And a certain day, a private went to the sergeant and he said something like, I want to be like Corporal Mario. And the sergeant came to me and said that, that he had mentioned that to him. And I, after that, I got to talk to that private and we had a great conversation. And I explained to him, it wasn't me. Like I wasn't doing something just to be different. I was simply reflecting the image of Christ. Yeah, that's a good word, man. That's a good word. And praise yeah. God. And I think I think that is ideal that as we embody the the Colossians three kind of work ethic, right? That uh, the Apostle Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians two things. He starts in verse seventeen where he says, "And whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him." And just a few verses later, Paul says again, "Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people." knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord, you serve the Lord Christ. So in that story, Mario, it sounds like this is what you did. You embodied that Colossians 3 Christian work ethic. And because of that, the people around you, one, noticed, they respected you, and that allowed you to earn trust with your coworkers, which is the whole point of this piece of, of working hard at your job is to earn the respect and trust of those around you. That's right. When you earn trust, you open a door, and then it's easier to access that door and talk to your colleague, your coworker about the things that you believe. And they will respect and at least listen to you respectfully and try to understand why you say those things because they see the result in you. Yeah, that gives meaning even to the menial tasks that, that we get that are seemingly boring or maybe nobody else wants that. I mean, there's purpose to everything we do if we're doing it for the Lord. Yeah. So moving on to number two. Building genuine relationships. Number two, number two, step number two in your field manual survival guide of relational evangelism is build genuine relationships. And we've touched on this already a little bit as we've expounded on point number one, that as you work hard, as you do good work, as you do good at your job, ideally you earn trust and respect from your coworkers. Mm -hmm. And we would call that like relational equity. You are earning equity from uh, in those relationships. And as a result of that, continue to cultivate those relationships. And we also, we put genuine in here because that's, that's what we want, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want you to look at people as projects, right? We don't want you to look at people as, well, I'm just going to get to know them. And if God doesn't save them after my first conversation, then I won't ever talk to them again, right? Mm -hmm. Like we are looking here for a genuine love, a genuine relationship because God desires a genuine relationship with them. Well, I mean, and too, like I think of the Apostle Paul in one of his letters to um, the church at Corinth. He says, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. And I mean, to me, that means like find some common ground between you and someone else, something that you can relate to them with in a way that builds a relationship. Yeah. And that's not easy. No, not always. <laughs> that is a savage missionary work ethic. What Paul just said, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means, I might save some. What makes it a little bit easier is when we are willing to listen. Well, first we already earned their trust and now we're trying to build a relationship with them. So why not try to listen and understand what they have been going through? Yeah, and you, you, you guys, both of you do this really well. You guys are both really good listeners. 
and that's rare to find today. Thank you know, you. I and I think that. I think that is part of the task, a huge part of the task of building a genuine relationship with somebody is asking good questions and listening well. So if you're asking, man, how do I do that? How do I build a relationship? Maybe just do those two points right there. Ask good questions. Hey, where are you from? What do you like to do in your spare time? What's your favorite sports team? Find ways to make common ground and then listen really well. And as you listen, seek opportunities to ask better questions as you earnestly seek to engage and connect with others. And something about to listening that I'm learning right now because Mario pointed this out um, is that sometimes we listen in order to respond instead of listen in order to hear. And I think when we take the pressure off of ourselves to respond, then we're able to listen better and actually understand what the person is saying so that we can formulate a better conversation, if that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. So when you start to build a relationship and a, and a friendship and you, you know, form that genuine bond between common ground, it will give you a more opportunity to foster community, which is our third step to foster community. It is indeed. Step number three, field manual slash survival guide of relational evangelism is foster community. And what this really means, get out of the office, get out of work, go get some coffee, go get some coffee, go get some food, ask someone out to lunch in a very maybe bromance way in a very just respectable, hey man, let's go grab some pizza. You know, it doesn't have to be weird. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, that's right. Yeah, the whole point here is just to continue to build that relational equity and continue to genuinely connect with others. Throughout this whole process too, you should be praying and asking God to soften your heart for this individual. God, give me a love for them. God, help me to see them as you see them, especially if you're trying to build a relationship with that annoying coworker, all right? We've all got them. Ask for the Lord's grace. Ask for the Lord's mercy. But foster community. Seek opportunities to get food, to uh, invite them over to your house. I think radical hospitality will be the best approach to evangelism as part of this relational evangelism strategy in the 21st century. Radical hospitality inviting people over your home. And food is a great, great point because we can always ask if they're comfortable for us to pray over the meal. So it's a great start point. Yes, it is. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Hey man, I know this might be weird, but I'm going to pray over the meal. Is there anywhere I could be praying for you? Mm-hmm. And just see what see what they say and see where that goes. Yeah. And in my experience, most people most people like that I've ever asked if they want me to pray for something very easily say yes and start talking about the problems in their life or the difficulties that they're facing. And that can be, you know, a great way to start a conversation about Jesus and understanding their pain and hearing their pain and just seeing if there's any way that, you know, you can be there for them. Yeah, and I think that actually perfectly leads into point number four. Which is foster Christ-exalting conversation. Come on, somebody. Point number four, field manual slash survival guide for relational evangelism is foster Christ-exalting conversation. And so essentially what we're saying here is find things that relate to the gospel and talk about them, which I think most practically just looks like relating, again, relating things back to the gospel. And my point here is this is not as hard as as it might sound. This is not as hard as as you might think it is. It doesn't have to be like just opening up the Bible and you read scripture. If you can, if you can pull that off, get some, if you can open up to Genesis and say in the beginning, (laughs) I think, I think we would benefit from you, Connor. Maybe you have some kind of tactics, maybe some examples on how to do that in a smooth way. Maybe <laughs> yeah. you just say, uh, I don't know, New York Giants always lose, but we might 
win someday in Christ or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. That was a hurtful shot, but I'll take it. I'll take it. I know I'm down here in Dallas, and I walked into the podcast studio rocking a New York Giants sweater. So we I didn't deserve, kick him out. So. I deserve that shot. No, I do not talk about the New York Giants losing record down here in Cowboys territory. That is not my not my approach. But maybe what it means to be all things to all men is to be able to talk about the Cowboys. <laughs> uh, pray for me. I'll work on that. But my man, my go-to here is just to talk about movies, uh, to talk about song lyrics or cultural events that here's the point highlight commonly felt human experiences. So that's what that's where I'm constantly looking for mm-hmm. in in conversations with people is commonly felt human experiences, stuff that we all go through that can relate back to the gospel easily. So a lot of movies, you know, portray superheroes, or a lot of sports even portray superheroes, and I think that like. I've had conversations with people like, man, why do we, why is it so easy for us to idolize guys? Why is it so easy for us to idolize someone like Tom Brady? But just find things that that relate back to the gospel, right? Like I think that our proclivity to so naturally idolize people is because we were born with a longing for a superhero and Jesus is that ultimate superhero. Now it might be a cheesy transition, but I think it's true. I think it's true. I think you could also look at movies and song lyrics and things that highlight the fact that like wealth will never satisfy the fact that rich and famous people are never seem to be satisfied. And I think you can lead that conversation into a conversation about the biblical truth that only Christ will satisfy you, that the things of this world just always seem to come up short. Another tactic I've gone here is, is maybe just to ask a question, a question that I've used before is like, you know, I'm, I mean, I know that my religion is seen as silly today, but sometimes I, I don't understand why. Like, why do you think that religion isn't taken so seriously? What has the response been when you've asked that question? I'm curious to know. Yeah, most of the times they're just like, ah, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I think that part of our goal is to get people to think deeply about yeah. things of eternal significance. Yeah. And that's not something that we are inclined to do in our culture. That's we're inclined true. to swipe through things quickly on Instagram or to look through news headlines without reading the article, just consume the clickbait, right? But don't actually dig for truth. Keep um, everything superficial, small yeah. talk level. Yeah. So that's a big part of what it looks like to foster Christ exalting conversation is just to dive beyond that surface level, get mm-hmm. to things of eternal significance and challenge people to think deeply about them. Amen. I think, I think also the tone of the voice is always very important in those questions because we don't want to offend anybody. We just want to bring Christ to them, right? Yeah, and that's that's a massive point that like your goal in evangelism is not to be right. You know, if someone starts debating you about the faith or debating you about the reliability of the word of God or about the age of the earth or anything like that, your goal is not to be right. Your goal is to see lost people find a home in Jesus Christ. So tone is huge. Remember that we're trying to build a relationship here. We're not trying to win a debate trophy. You know, we're, yeah. we're trying to lead people to Jesus. We're not trying to debate them and, and just school them and be correct. I think that people aren't very receptive when they feel like they're being treated as a competition or or it's a battleground. I, I don't think that brings Jesus to, to people. And we can always be honest and admit our struggles and our like when we don't know something. Right. Like whenever we they ask a question back and we don't know the answer right away, we, we can just say, I'm sorry, I don't know, but would you give me some time and I'll figure it out or we can figure out that together or something like along those lines, I think would be great. 
Yeah, I think I think that's a lost art these days mm-hmm. is being able to say, I don't know. <laughs> and I think that's what we need to do. I think people respond much better to that authentic reply than they do to some fake conjured, well, this is what my Sunday school teacher told me when I was seven. <laughs> you know, it's like, man, talk to me like a human being. Like, how, what do you think about this? So for me, when, when I was in the infantry, in the army, then a lot of the questions that I would get from people were along the lines of, like with so much evil and suffering in the world, how could God be good? Something along those mm-hmm. lines. A very understandable question. Yes, and that's something that all people really wonder, right? Like if you dig below the surface, I think that's that's at a lot of us. Yeah. That's eating at a lot of us. And my go-to response for that is something along the lines of like, man, I struggle with that too. Mm-hmm. I struggle with that too. I don't know. But for me, in, in moments of that struggle, when I'm wrestling with that question, I'm always brought back to, to this question. Is God trustworthy? Is God trustworthy? And to that, the answer is a resounding yes because of the cross and the gospel and lead into that conversation with the gospel, which is kind of my go-to tactic anyway. Like if if I'm having a conversation with somebody and some question comes up, find a way to bring it back to the gospel because that's what's most important. That, that's awesome. So what's number five? Number five. So we're, we're cruising here. Uh, almost done. We got two more points in our field manual slash survival guide for relational evangelism. Number five, remember who your commanding officer is. Hmm. The Lord himself is your commanding officer when it comes to evangelism. You cannot convert anybody. Only God can. Only God can. You cannot argue anybody into the kingdom of God. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit through the cross of Christ can any human being be brought to repentance and reconciliation to the Father. And we can pray. Absolutely. I think the power of prayer goes really well alongside evangelism. If we're not constantly in relationship with the Lord, it will be harder for us to talk about him. It's the only way, man. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. You're spot on. Yeah. Evangelism, this this relational approach has to be spirit led. Mm-hmm. If, if you try to do evangelism to build relationships in your own effort, you'll get your own results. Which is not good. Right. Because it's not about us. It's about God doing the work. Correct. So then if we do this, if we build relationships and do evangelism in the Lord's strength by the power of the spirit, then the spirit will produce the results. Yeah. And and just going off of that point, leading into number six is keep Christ central. That's the last point is keep Christ central. The sixth and final point of our field manual slash survival guide to relational evangelism is keep Christ central. So here's what I mean by this. And this is certainly driven by my experience in the infantry. Lay down your preferences on issues of morality and behavior modification. That might sound crazy, but here's what I mean. In, in the army, and Mario, I'm sure that your experience is pretty similar to this. You are an outlier in that culture if you're not drinking excessively, if you're not smoking all the time, and if you're not cursing like a sailor all the time. Absolutely. It's just like that. It's just like that. It's just how it is. And Warrior, if you are serving in the military or as a first responder, I'm sure that your work environment is similar. So if you're a Christian in that environment, here's how you don't approach evangelism. Hey, Mario, stop cursing because God says so. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, it won't make sense, right? Yeah, yeah. Who is get- God? What are you talking about? Why do I have to obey? What, what are you? Who are you talking to? People um, might get angry at you. We'll definitely get angry, right? And and so our goal, we have to keep in mind, as you know, this might sound scandalous, but we have to keep in mind that our goal is the heart, right? My goal is not to convert somebody to my moral standard. I'm not trying to get somebody to to stop any external behavior if their heart isn't actually transformed. Right. So more than I cared about whether or not the people that I was serving with continue to smoke or curse, 
I cared about their soul. And I think that's what we have to do. We have to care about their heart and their affections. And we have to pray that they would be transformed from the inside out as they encounter the living God. Thank you for listening to us. If you want to trust in Christ, or if you want to learn more about making him the authority over your life, or if you want to learn more about us, send us a message on our Instagram at WGMHQ. That's WGMHQ. We will make sure that someone gets in touch with you. This has been Warrior Podcast with Connor Shanahan. Warrior God Ministries' mission is to change the world by making disciples among military members and first responders and equipping them to be disciple makers and missionaries in their respective communities for the glory of Jesus Christ.